This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. And they probably, the Bible doesn't mention this, this is from Bob's thinking here, and from what I've studied, they probably put him in private school. Well, how could they afford that? Remember when he was two years old, the three wise men came, the Magi? Excuse me. They came and gave them the equivalent in today's money of something like two and a half million dollars. That kept them alive in Egypt. And I believe that they hired private tutors to get Jesus through rabbi school. And since he didn't go the traditional route through rabbi school, think about this. Where was he at age 12? The last time the Bible talks about his upbringing before his appearance at uh, the Jordan River with John the Baptist at age 30. He was at the temple. And it says everyone was amazed at his answers and the questions he was asking. Because he didn't go to traditional rabbi school. But they knew that that calling was on his life. And he had proven to those rabbis that he knew what he was talking about. Amen. Then the next time you hear about Jesus is when he came to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. You see, as a rabbi would graduate from rabbi school, he would be baptized because now his old life has passed away. And all things have become new for him. He was now entering a new phase of life. And he would be baptized, and then he would go into, he would put on his rabbi robe, and then he would go into that room where these 12-year-old boys who had proven themselves with the ability to answer and ask questions about the first five books of the Torah, the, the law, first five books of Moses, and they would pick their father and say, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, and then they would walk out. And when all the rabbis were done, there'd be a handful of boys left who didn't get picked. And they would be sent home. Sorry, boys. He just didn't have what it took. Go home and learn a trade. Work with your family in the business, family business. But you're not going to be rabbis. And it broke these boys' hearts. They had trained 12 years 
to go to rabbi school. Now they weren't picked. They had lived for that moment when a rabbi would say to them, follow me. Now they're at home working in the family business. And that's why when Jesus came to the Jordan River, now to get, let me back up to John the Baptist baptizing here. And I'm going to tie all this together here in our last few minutes. In order to be classified as a rabbi that has authority, you had to have two independent witnesses give verbal testimony at your ordination ceremony that you were something special. If you only had one, then you just had your regular credentials to teach what your rabbi taught you. But if you had two independent rabbinical witnesses stand up and give verbal testimony about your uniqueness, then you were given special authority. And I didn't cover that. I covered it last time, but let me just say this. Whatever your rabbi taught you was called, now listen to me carefully, his yoke. The yoke was what that rabbi was authorized to teach. It was called his yoke. And as I said, if you had the, at your ordination and baptism, because that was part of your graduation ceremony, if two independent witnesses would stand up and give verbal testimony to the uniqueness you brought to the teaching, then you were given special authority to develop a new yoke, a new way of teaching. At Jesus' baptism, John the Baptist seen Jesus coming and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's witness number one. Jesus comes to John, says, I need to be baptized because he's entering a rabbinical ministry. Age 30. John says, I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus says, no, 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 let's do this because it fulfills all righteousness. So John baptizes Jesus. As Jesus comes up out of the water, God the Father looks around. There's nobody else going to give verbal testimony. God says, I'll do it myself. And he audibly, in the ears of all the people, says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I mean, you can't have better testimony than that. Amen. Now he has two, <clears throat> two verbal witnesses at his baptism. So he has special authority to develop his own yoke. Amen. So, with a new rabbi, just graduated and baptized, with a new rabbi who has been given special authority to have his own yoke, his own way of teaching, all the other rabbis are going to these 12-year-olds that have been pre-vetted to get their followers. Jesus, because he has a new yoke, because he has authority, because he has the authority to develop his new yoke, then uh, he has the ability to do what he wants. So he doesn't go to the 12-year-olds. He goes 
to a fishing village to find probably the friends that he hung out with before. He's got on his rabbinical robe, so he's identified as a rabbi. And he comes up and he sees Peter and James fishing and calls out, follow me. That's the code word that every Jewish boy looks for, waited for, longed for their whole life. But they were rejected. They were told, you don't have what it takes. But here, he sees these fishermen struggling with their nets. He sees them hard-working, dedicated. He says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And the Bible says they left everything and followed Jesus. He goes on a little further. He finds, he finds uh, James and John and calls out to them, follow me. And they left Zebedee, their father, in the boat and left. Zebedee lost his crew with no notice. And then he goes on a little further. He finds Matthew or Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. He's a tax collector. Now he's in a fishing village. Who is he levying taxes against? The fishermen. And Jesus says, follow me. Levi gets up and leaves everything and follows him. Jesus probably gets him alone and he says, look, I have called you to follow me. This man's a tax collector. Do you have it in your heart to forgive him and work together? And they did. And he went out and called the other disciples. But the point I want you to see is Jesus, fulfilling the scriptures, fulfilling Jewish tradition, called men who had their whole life longed to be rabbis, long to be teachers of men, long to be a servant of the Most High God, long to hear the words, follow me. But they were told they weren't good enough until Jesus came along. What does, now understanding what the yoke is, all right, the yoke is your own, the, the, whatever your rabbi taught you, that was his yoke. And unless you have special authority given to you at your baptism and entering the rabbinical ministry, you must teach the yoke you were taught. But if you have been given special authority by two independent witnesses at your ordination ceremony and baptism, then you're given permission to make your own yoke. In Matthew chapter 11, Verse 28, Jesus, let's go to verse 25. Jesus just got done teaching his disciples. And he's talking about, you know, uh, towards the end days in verse 21 down through 24, talking about, you know, it will be better for Sodom in the day of judgment than, than you guys because, uh, you know, they would have repented at the teaching they've been given. Verse 25, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, in other words, the educated, and you've revealed them unto babies. Even so, Father, because it seemed good in your sight. All 
things are delivered unto me by my Father. And no man knows the Son except the Father. Nor does any man know the Father except the Son, and to whomsoever the Son shall reveal him. And then verse 20. Come unto me, all of you that labor, all of you that are working so hard and heavy laden, you got, you're carrying the burdens of this world, the burdens of this life, you're working so hard to try and get by, come unto me, I'll give you rest. Now, verse 29 will now make sense. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. What is the yoke of Jesus? What's the yoke he taught about God? That God is love. Remember his yoke? They asked him, you know, what is the greatest command in the Bible? He says the greatest command in the Bible is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your body. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love was the yoke of Jesus. That was his yoke. The other disciples, the other, all the other the synagogue preachers and temple priests were teaching the Ten Commandments. Do this, do this, do this, do it. Because if you mess up, oh, God's going to get mad. But Jesus, with special authority, said, No, God's not mad. He's provided the way of salvation to them that believe. God is love. All you have to do is love God and believe on Him who He sent. And that's why the temple priests and Sadducees and Pharisees and, and the, the teachers of the law that's why they came and asked Jesus, what did they ask him? Who has given you this, what? Authority. Who's given you permission to teach this way? Where did you get your authority from? Do you see what that word means now? And what did Jesus say? I'll tell you if you tell me where did John the Baptist get his authority from? And they were like, uh, we don't know. And Jesus said, well, then I can't, you, you won't understand where I got mine from then. But do you see now how these little verses that people have been reading over for years begin to make sense? Now, in the last couple minutes, let's go all the way back to where we started and the calling of Elisha by Elijah. Elisha is bound and determined. He's going to plow where no man plowed before. He's going to prepare this ground that no man has ever prepared before. Even if it takes plowing up this concrete type ground, handling 12 yoke of oxen. And Elijah comes up, throws his mantle over Elisha's shoulders, right? In verse 19, 1 Kings 19, 19, it says, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. In other words, he took off his cloak, his rabbinical identifier, and put it on Elisha. 
And says so he passed by him. He just put her and Elijah says, I'm done. I'm, he just kept on walking. And Elijah ran, left the oxen. He ran after Elijah and said, let me, I pray to you know, kiss my father and mother and then I'll follow you. You get it? Where we just talked about those words? He said, let me go and say goodbye to my mother and father and then I will follow you. Elijah turned around and said, go back again for what I've done to you. In other words, after what I just gave you, you want to go back to what you've been doing? Go ahead. I'm not going to make you follow me. So Elisha returned back from Elijah, took the yoke of oxen and killed them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, in other words, the yokes, and gave it to the people. He fed the village. He said, I'm not going to be plowing anymore. I don't need these ox. I don't need these yokes. I'm making an offering and I'm giving to the people. I'm feeding the people. I'm providing them nourishment. Then he arose and chased after Elijah and ministered unto Elijah. Now, the calling home of Elijah in the whirlwind. Remember we talked about the portals, right? Elisha followed Elijah. He was learning from Elijah. And he was walking in Elijah's steps, so close to Elijah that towards the end, Elijah's like, okay, stay here. I'm going to go over here. And Elijah says, I'm not leaving you. And stuck right with him. Three times, Elijah said, stay here. I'm going over here. He goes, no, I'm going to stay right there with you. And it got to the point where Elijah said, okay, what do you want? And Elijah said, I want double what you got. And Elijah says, oh, <laughs> you're asking a hard thing. It wasn't hard because Elijah couldn't pray for him to have double the anointing. But he's like, well, you know, the anointing I have has not been easy to walk with. My yoke has not been easy. And you want double? Okay. If you stay with me, and you see me when I go, may the Lord grant it to you. And they kept walking along. They crossed the river. He's seen Elijah smote the river. The water's part. They walked through. And about that time, he sees a whirlwind coming. And it grabs Elijah. He describes it as flaming chariots. Remember in the mountains? Right? The, the whirlwind, the earthquake, the fire. Elisha's describing it as a flaming chariot in the whirlwind. And I could get more into that, but I'm not going to right now. But as Elisha's taken up, his mantle, or not Elijah, Elijah's being taken up. His mantle falls to the ground. Elijah picks it up, puts it on. He's now walking in the authority of Elijah. The authority. Remember that word? 
he has special permission to teach what Elijah taught. And he goes and he smites the river. He says, let the God of Elijah do what he, what he did for Elijah. And the water's part. He walks through. These people are witnessing it. They want to go hunt for Elijah. He's like, you're not going to find him. But they press so much. They say, okay, go. And he just stayed right there. Because now these men are following him. And I could get more into the life of Elijah. But he went to anoint Hazel. He went to anoint Jehu. He did what Elijah failed to do. Amen. And Jesus himself used Elijah and Elisha <laughs> when he was uh, reading. That was the other thing. Jesus reading in Luke 4. Let me go over there real quick. It says he sat down in the temple and... Uh, In verse 16, Luke 4, 16, he came back to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Now, this is the Torah. This is a handwritten copy of the Torah. It's not like you go down to the bookstore and buy one. This is a precious document. They didn't let any Tom, Dick, or Harry come in and grab it and start reading. This proves Jesus was recognized as a rabbi. At that time. He's wearing his rabbinical clothes. Amen. And he comes into the synagogue. And they ask him. Hey, is there anything you want to say? So he stands up to read. He takes the scroll. And gets over to uh, Eli uh, uh, Isaiah. And he says. Uh, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach. Good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the broken heart, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That's his yoke. And he closed the book, gave it back to the minister, and sat down. Everyone's watching him. And he began to say, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And they all bore witness of him and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth and said, Isn't this Joseph's son, the carpenter's boy? And then he comes down, verse 25. I'm telling you the truth. There were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and great famine was throughout all the land. But none of them was to Elijah sent except Sarah in the city of Sidon to a woman that was a widow. In other words, Elijah, this powerful man of God that you read about and talk about, he didn't go and take care of anyone and supernaturally provide for them except a Gentile. And then there were many lepers in, the, in Israel in the days of Elisha, the prophet. But not a, one of them was cleansed except Naaman, a general in the Syrian army. And at that, they got mad. What are you trying to teach us? See? They didn't want to receive his yoke. They didn't want to receive his teachings. Jesus' yoke is easy. His burden is light. His yoke is love. That God loves you.
He loves you so much. He provided the way of salvation for you if you would just believe on whom he would the him that he sent. Believe on him whom he sent. Which was Jesus. Jesus said, No man takes my life from me. I lay it down myself. And since I have authority, I can take it back up again. <laughs> Folks, I am telling you right here, right now, unless you want to plow where no man has laid a hand to plow before, you can't have favor with God. Unless you're willing to sow the word, you cannot reap a harvest. Don't fall for this, you know, give, you know, somebody out there can give $10,000. And God spoke to me and said, if they'll sow $10,000 into your ministry, I'll bless them with a million. And some poor people gather it all together and go do it. You know, some preachers say, put it on your credit card if you don't have it in the bank. All they want is your money. Jesus doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. That's why he says, follow me. Take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. All Jesus says is, follow me. His yoke is that God is love. And that he loves them that receive his son. If you have never received Jesus as your Savior, it's not too late. If you're hearing my voice today, it's not too late. It doesn't matter what you did. Because when you accept Jesus as your Savior and take his yoke upon you and ask him into your heart, Instantly, he creates a new man that is righteous in the eyes of God because you accepted him whom the Father sent. And then you can allow Jesus to teach you what his yoke is all about. If that's you, please pray this prayer with me right now. Lord God, I thank you that you provided your only begotten Son, Jesus, as the perfect sacrifice for my sins. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that you fulfilled everything God wanted in a man. And Lord, I want to follow you. I want to receive your yoke into my heart that I might serve you by serving others and teaching them about you also. Because as your disciple, I can only teach what my rabbi taught me, which is you. And Lord, lead me and guide me to sow the word and to prepare the ground in which the word needs to be sown. That in all things, the fruit that comes up can be for you and the Father forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Glory to God. If you prayed that prayer, Email me at brotherbob at ftfm.org and let me know. Hallelujah. Email me. Let us know. We want to rejoice that you have received the Lord. Amen.
Glory to God. Till next time, this is Pastor Robert Taylor reminding you, God loves you, we love you. Greater is he who's in you than he that's in this earth, and be blessed in all that you do. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! <sighs> and this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags.